This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is the evening edition with Lynn and Sherrod. And it's time now um, to just take a look at the Indonesian presidential elections, which will actually be happening next year. The GE is happening next year, Valentine's Day, actually, 2024. And voters will be choosing their local, provincial and national legislatures, le- legislators, but also, of course, their senators, president and vice president. And that's in 38 provinces. Uh, there's going to be a whole ton of people running. Uh, 200,000, more than 200,000 politicians will be running. And we are talking about it because today is the kickoff, right, for campaign. Indeed it is. So there's a fairly long campaign period, like two months a yeah, bit. actually, quite um, significant. And, you know, but for this vibrant democracy, and I think everybody concedes that Indonesia used to be so authoritarian where elections were basically three approved parties. And it was called Pesta Democracy, just to underscore the irony of it, right? It was so undemocratic under Suharto uh, that it's become, in fact, this really vibrant democracy. But like any democracy, you know, uh, they are... The stakeholders, not just the voters, but all those people who kind of like try and game the system to benefit themselves. So the commission, uh, the General Elections Commission, has announced that there will be 24 political parties, uh, you know, a a significant tick upwards um, from the previous three. But 24 political parties will be taking part um, and that will include six regional parties in uh, Aceh. So, oh sorry, pardon me, it does not include uh, but there will also be six regional parties in Aceh. Uh, 24 parties nationwide, six Achenese parties um, staying regional and there there are also more than 200 million voters. So it is a it is a large, large democracy. And I think what I'm interested in is of course um this is the this is the tail end of the Jokowi period, which captured so much of the public imagination. And I think worldwide, we are seeing this swing um, in a whole spate of GEs around the world, both closer to home as well as abroad. Um further afield rather. We have been seeing this swing to between kind of Left and right, right? It's like a pendulum. And um, there have been there has been an uptick in the number of countries that have started leaning for the right, leaning for the populist in terms of their outcomes. And I'm just wondering whether that's something that we're going to see here. So, yeah, I think the broad theme of a democratic recession globally is there. But uh, I don't know. I think just the very fact of the, the contest and because it's it's very competitive, that's mm-hmm. what all the polls are saying. Uh, the front runners are, you know, kind of represent uh, n- not a swing towards the Islamic right, but in fact, have kind of the the mainstay of Indonesian nationalism, maybe one with a little more authoritarian uh, feel about him. Uh, the problem, I think, though, in Indonesia, and this is why it's so fascinating, is that Jokowi, as popular as he is, has tried uh, to manipulate the system uh, to kind of extend his power beyond the yes. limits, right? And so you find that in his in the previous contest, he defeated Prabowo Subianto. Today, Prabowo Subianto is seen as his successor, especially because his uh, Jokowi's son is running as his mate. So the and the Constitutional Court, uh, despite the conflict of interest, uh, uh, went on to say that despite his young age, uh, this young man Gibran, uh, name we should almost remember because he was allowed to run. He's been allowed to run at thirty six. Uh, where. He, 
actually the laws don't allow that generally. All right. So um, you mentioned Prabowo Subianto. There's also uh, Ganja Pranowo, as well as Anis Baswedan. Um, those are the three presidential candidates. And that's some of what we'll be hearing about very shortly. So uh, just to be clear, what's going to happen after this is you're going to be hearing an interview that Sharad conducted with Andreas Harsono earlier in the day from Human Rights Watch in Jakarta, running through, I think, all the different um, you know, contexts that we need to have in order to understand where we're headed next in the Indonesian presidential election. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can WhatsApp, you can send us a tweet. Keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Joining us now is Andreas Hasono from Human Rights Watch in Jakarta. Andreas, thank you so much for speaking to us. Now, today marks the start of the campaign period for Indonesia's 2024 presidential election. It goes until the 10th of February next year. Choosing not only the president, but around 20,000 representatives from national, provincial and district assemblies. But let's focus on the presidential race. Uh, there are three teams led by Prabowo Subianto, who was last defeated by Jokowi, Ganja Pranovo, uh, and also Anes Basweden. Andres, can you tell us about these three contenders? Prabowo Subianto, who is running with President Jokowi's son, is a retired military officer. He is facing human rights allegations, human rights charges. He is backed up by, of course, his own party, plus some other big parties. He is now, according to multiple uh, public polls, is the number one contender. The second is Ganjar Pranowo, Central Java province governor, backed up by PDIP and some other smaller political parties. He is a long PDIP party man. Uh, his running mate is Mahfud MD. He is now a senior minister coming from Madura Island. This is a small island of Java. For your information, most Indonesian leaders come from Java Island. Mahfud MD is the only one who do not, who does not come from Java Island. And the third pair is Anis Baswedan, former Jakarta governor, uh, running with Muhaimin Iskandar, a Nadatul Ulama politician coming from East Java near Madura Island. Those are the three pairs running for the February 2024 elections. Andreas, uh, since you mentioned the question of Prabowo's um, well, human rights allegations linked to him, I, I wonder if we can talk about some something that's controversial about him and his candidacy, and in particular that of his running mate, Jokowi's son. Do you see or a poll suggesting that at this point in time uh, that this the controversy around allowing Jokowi's son to run uh, will have an impact on electoral outcomes? Well, of course, he is now the president in his last year in office until October 2024. Uh, his son was initially not allowed to run because of his age. He was 36 years old. The election law says that candidates should be at least 40 years old. But there was a petition by a Jokowi supporter asking the court 
to remove the restriction for Jokowi-san. And indeed, they removed not the age restriction, but by putting an additional paragraph saying that a politician can run even when he is under 40 years old if he or she is an elected official. Thus, Jokowi-san, who, who is the mayor of Solo, a city in central Java, can run because, you know, he is a mayor. But that clause was controversial because there are dissenting opinion, there are concurring opinion within the court, nine judges, uh, to the extent that there was an investigation against the chief justice, who is the brother-in-law of Jokowi. And he was later dismissed as the chief justice because he had been proven to have a serious violation on the conflict of interest ruling within the court. Andrews, I understand that this has, in fact, no impact now, uh, th- that uh, Gibran uh, will continue, that is, Jokowi's son will continue to be a candidate. I do want to know, though, is there a public perception now about either Jokowi trying to hang on to power through his son and is this something that is a problem? Because he's a very popular president, isn't he? And will this add um, more wind to a provost? Say, will it actually help him rather than hinder him? Uh, we don't know yet, of course, because the campaign is still going on. But there is at least public intellectual talking that Jokowi wants to rule by proxy. He wants to keep his legacy. And he thought that Prabowo is going to secure Jokowi legacy. Thus, he is putting his son to run as Jokowi running mate. All right. Okay. Let's uh, let's put that aside for a moment and, and look at something. I mean, you know Malaysian politics quite well, and race and religion are a staple of our politics. But what about Indonesia? What kind of social and political concerns do you expect to be raised over the campaign period, the next two months? I am worried because every time there is a destabilization of the center or the pusat, there are always tension within the periphery or the daerah in Indonesian language. This is what I'm worried about because local politicians could manipulate race and also religion to advance their respective political interests. Uh, But there is one factor that is important, economy. If there is an economic crisis and you have this kind of manipulation, it is going to be very dangerous. Right now, of course, we don't have a political uh, economic crisis, food available in the market. But let's say next year after the election, then there's going to be a dispute. The losing party might challenge the election result and having this kind of court uh, discredited, then whoever win will have problems with their legitimacy and whoever lose might have difficulties to accept losing the election and the court result. So this is that I'm worried about uh, in 2024. Now, since I mean, you, you you raise the possibility that race and religion, um, you know, will be a factor in in this campaign, I want to bring up the question of Anis Baswedan's role in ousting the ethnic Chinese Christian mayor of Jakarta. Uh, 
is that going to play play badly for him? Is it going to or uh, well for him? Is it something that is going to gain him support? Uh, in the Jakarta election 2017, Anis Baswedan came, of course, used the blasphemy law to win the election. Uh, his scam accused the incumbent governor, who is a Christian ethnic Chinese, to defame Islam in a speech. And obviously, he lost. He went to prison for two years. Uh, the problem is not only with Anis Baswedan, who used that law, but also the problem lies with Indonesia blasphemy law. Uh, the blasphemy law was passed by President Sukarno in 1965, 58 years ago. But during Suharto time, for three decades, it was rarely used, only 10 people, 10 cases. But after the fall of Suharto, especially under President Susilo Bambang Yudhoyono, SPY, the blasphemy law was becoming a political weapon. 125 people went to prison in 10 years under SPY. Under Jokowi, every month, we have someone arrested by the police for defaming Islam. Right now, we are seeing a Muslim cleric uh, facing trial in a court in Indramayu, West Java, for letting women to preach during the Friday prayer and for letting women to attend Friday prayer, uh, sitting or standing inside the mosque side by side with with men, two different sections, of course. Uh, for that, he was accused of committing blasphemy against Islam. He's facing trial now. There is also a Christian man, a retired executive, uh, now in prison for five years in Bandung because he was again accused to commit blasphemy against Islam. So there are many cases like this all over Indonesia. You protest a noisy mosque, you can be easily accused to commit blasphemy. In fact, even the Minister of Religious Affairs, of course himself a Muslim, was accused to commit blasphemy against Islam. So the problem is not only with Anis Baswedan, the problem is on, also with Indonesia toxic blasphemy law. Sadly, the parliament expanded the blasphemy law. 1965, only one article, President Sukarno did it. Uh, 2022, the parliament expanded the blasphemy law from one to six articles. Uh, under President Jokowi. Right, so this is the kind of, I guess, the social and political background in which these polls are being played out. Uh, sorry, uh, and th this campaign is going to be played out. The polls are now pointing to a Ganja and Probowo as front runners. Uh, with the long campaign period that we're looking at, two months or so, how significantly can this dynamics change? It is too early to say because they haven't provided their platform in detail. Of course, they already submitted their, their platform, again, not that detail. But by the time the campaign is running more and more, we are going to see more responses from the three candidates. And don't forget, we are also going to have parliamentarian election, Senate election, as well as provincial and local parliamentarian election. More than 200,000 politicians will campaign in the next two months until February next year. So we are going to see more and more platform uh, in the next 
a few months until December. Hopefully, you know, Human Rights Watch wants all of these politicians, including the presidential candidate and vice presidential candidate, to talk about issues that are related to many, many Indonesians, including religious freedom, discrimination against women. Indonesia now has 73 mandatory hijab regulation. There are penalties if you don't wear the hijab in Indonesia now. LGBT rights, there are 45 anti-LGBT regulations in Indonesia. Land grabbing, laws against indigenous people, their land scrapped for palm oil or mining permit. So these are issues that are related to many, many millions of Indonesians and we want uh, the candidates to, to discuss their platform and how they solve Uh, these crucial problems facing many Indonesians. Andreas, I understand that uh, Ganja and Prabowo are both seen as, or at least described in the media, as nationalists. How will they differentiate themselves? I mean, what exactly will be a reason to vote for one over the other? Perhaps if, if you agree that Prabowo is a nationalist, perhaps he is more to the right. He tends to be more authoritarian. And Ganjar is is more uh, to the traditional nationalist position. They tend to be at least more open to criticism than those on the authoritarian camp. Okay, let's let's uh, kind of extend that a little further. I mean, Prabowo also is somehow kind of candidate with legacy, isn't he? I mean, he is, it'd probably be the last bite of the cherry, as it were, a man who comes from the Suharto era. Do you think, uh, pro? what do you think Prabowo really stands for? And is what he stands for something that Indonesians want? Good questions. What Prabowo stands for? I frankly do not know, because he has a, uh, Checkered pass, uh, but I am sure he is not going to stand for finding the truth about the Suharto era, about human rights abuses under Suharto. I'm sure Prabowo is not standing to find the truth about 1965 mass killings. I'm sure Prabowo is not going to stand for finding the truth in East Timor, where between 1975 until 1998, there were hundreds of thousands of Timorese died. Uh, those are the things that I'm sure Prabowo will have difficulties to answer. And what do young people want? Do they want that? Do they want to go back to the past and unearth what uh, what troubling violations of human rights there were for this long period under the new order? They want to see a better Indonesia. They want to see a more democratic Indonesia, a more equal Indonesia. They are not as ignorant as some political pundits say. And so, okay, lastly, you know, some 200 million citizens participated in the last presidential elections. Uh, do most Indonesians still believe in the electoral process? And what do you think is going to shape their sentiment over the next two months? Oh, many polls say that most Indonesians do care about voting. The problem is many of them do not know that 
between one election to another voting, there are many things to do. Uh, there are many grassroots work that they have to do. There are, there are, you know, they need to have a better understanding about Indonesia diverse cultural, religious, linguistic background. There are more, like it or not, political works that they have to do with political parties, with NGOs, civil society organization. And these are the area where Indonesia is lacking, I'm afraid. Thank you very much, Andreas. That was Andreas Harsono from Human Rights Watch speaking about the Indonesian presidential elections coming up next year in February. That's all we have for evening edition, uh, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.